Welcome to the Ask Every Time podcast. Ask Every Time's mission is to reduce sexual assault and abuse through sexual consent education, training, and resources. Without further ado, today's episode. Okay, Robert, thank you for joining us today. Uh, How are you? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? I'm doing well, thank you. And just for the listeners, I'm recording in a space that has some church bells in the background, so you might hear some bells, and that's not your phone, that's that's our recording here. But uh, again, Robert, thank you for joining us, and usually how we start this is just by asking uh, where you're at today as far as any sort of relationships or uh, what how you would identify yourself as single or dating or what's the label you put on yourself today. Yeah, so I recently separated, uh, was married for 18 years, and then in January I asked for a divorce, and um, we did a sort of nothing visitation schedule at the house there until about March when a lot of the COVID stuff came through, and I decided to quarantine with some friends, and then she decided to quarantine with the kids until about the end of May when I got my own space. And so single-ish, I guess, is, is how I would label myself. Um, currently not dating, uh, just trying to sort of figure out what my life looks like now post-marriage, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of work I'm having to do on myself, as you can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned two things, which I'll ask about. You mentioned you had uh, or have kids. What? Are, how many and what are their ages? Oh, uh, I have four kids. Um, I have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 9-year-old, and a 6-year-old. Okay, so quite the spread. Yep. And you said you were married for 18 years, and in January you were separated. So is the divorce started in the courts yet? Uh, we've filed the petition, but haven't come up with a decree um, or moved forward in the legal process yet. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's an involved process. <laughs> For sure. Uh, to say the very least. If you want, uh, I'm curious to maybe start there, and, and if you're comfortable diving in a bit, ask what were some of the reasons that got you to the point of asking for a divorce? Yeah, um, so... The well, I guess we can go back. So I um, got married when I was like I was twenty, and she might have been twenty-two. And I grew up in a fairly conservative town in Arkansas, and um, grew up there, and then ended up going to university there at a relatively conservative private Christian school um, and so for a number of reasons got married pretty quickly um, and had started having kids two years after that and um, and that uh, there's a there's a um, I guess there's a lot to cover there Um, but at some point I decided I needed to get out of Arkansas and started looking for jobs elsewhere. Um, eventually I took an interview in Austin, Texas, where I live now. And, um, 
after moving there, I feel like it was just getting into a space that's a little bit more, a little bit less conservative, a little bit more progressive, starting to um, figure out who I wanted to be a little bit more. I think part of getting married so early, um, so young, and having kids so young, just sort of, I, I don't know, I don't feel like I had as much time to kind of figure out who I wanted to be or how I wanted my life to look um, before just sort of jumping in. So I think at some point about six years ago, been in Austin for eight years, and so about six years ago, um, just started deconstructing a lot of my like religious and um, to some extent political beliefs. Uh, just started like drifting as a person. So I feel like that was sort of the beginning of us kind of drifting in different directions. And over time, it. Uh, it was just like a lot of little things, honestly. Um, there was, um, at some point, I remember um, developing feelings for one of our mutual friends and was just didn't really know what to do with that. And so it sort of brought it to both my wife and my friend. And it, and it caused a lot of issues both in, in both relationships. Um, not issues per se, but like... You know, as you can imagine, that kind of strained those relationships a little bit. And I think for me, just coming to terms with what it means for me to be attracted to other people um, sort of brought a couple of questions to light in my mind. One is, is this, is my marriage really serving me? Is this the relationship I want? Is, you know, is this something that we can work on and move forward? from or is this not and so it was the question I was holding for a number of years around that time um, and then at some point I, like I individually started going to therapy a little bit after that once things got a little bit tough and I, it was clear to me that I um, had gotten enough distance from the community where I grew up with to, to, to know that I needed to do some work on myself so I started therapy, um, and then a little bit after that, we started uh, couples therapy um, with my wife and I, and did that for a couple of years, um, and it became increasingly clear to me that I don't, I didn't think that monogamy was something that I really would have chosen had I gone back and known what I know, know like <laughs> knowing what I, I know now about myself and had had more time and space to kind of figure out how I like who I want to be and how I want my life to look. I don't know that that's something I would have chosen for myself. I just didn't realize that there's a lot of things I didn't realize were actually a choice that was available um, growing up in the community where I grew up. You know? So there's a lot of different things that sort of came to a head over the past couple of years. Um, and that, you know, those sort of identity questions for me in the face of a relationship that is increasingly um, more difficult to sort of maintain and, re and do repair on, I felt like it just came to a point where um, it was probably better for both of us if we separate. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that all, and, and that gives a nice framework to kind of build from uh so 
to dive back into that marriage and, and maybe your feelings for the mutual friend and your thoughts mm-hmm. toward monogamy, uh, we'd want to... So usually with this podcast, we, we focus a lot on sexual consent and sexual experiences. Yeah. And so in your marriage in that 18 years, uh, was that ever an issue between you and your uh, soon ex-wife as far as sexual consent goes, or what did that look like for you guys? Um, I, I don't know that there was... There was never a point in my mind when I... Um, either of us cheating on each other was um, was really a reality. Like, I knew where I stood in terms of, like, if I'm in this relationship, then that's what I'm going to choose. I think it was more of a question of just trying to understand um, my own sexuality a little bit more in terms of what does attraction to other people mean for me? Like, what is that? Um, And, like, how can... um, I think I was learning a lot through that process about just intimacy and what that means in a number of different kinds of relationships. Um, So it wasn't, it wasn't really an, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue of it was difficult for me to not cheat or I thought it was difficult for her to not cheat. It was more, I I guess, um, more of an, an emotional, like, neither of us necessarily at different times not feeling if that the emotional connection was there or that like there was the level of commitment or the type of commitment that we thought we had from the other person and that, does that make sense it does and I, and I appreciate your experience there because it, it highlights there doesn't have to be a physical cheating uh, you know actual sexual acts between people for there to yep. be intimacy issues and issues that if not discussed or brought up or really worked through, they're as significant as any other issue. Uh, yeah, for sure. And with you and your um, ex-wife being married for 18 years, during that time, regardless of any outside influences between you and her, was there a lot of communication around sex and intimacy and what you each wanted, or did one feel more pressured by the other to have sex? Yeah, I um, I think early on, I mean, I feel like sex was a big reason why we got married in the first place. Like I said, I, I grew up in a um, relatively conservative Christian culture, um, so there was this there was a very strong narrative from the time I was born, but definitely in our community, that uh, of like waiting until marriage to have sex, and so. Um, when she and I dated, uh, like we weren't having sex, and so like there's always this. I feel like in a lot of the in all of the relationships that I've had, it's um, there's been this sort of tension between like sex being like a bad or like a you know something that's off limits until you're married, and so I feel like that was sort of um, one of the driving forces for us giving getting married in the first place. I don't know that either of us necessarily going back and having to do it over again. I don't know that we would have chosen to get married as quickly as we did um, if sex wasn't sort of a taboo or, you know, a deal breaker in that decision-making process. So I feel like, uh, so communication-wise, it was, I guess, weird (laughs) to begin with. Um, 
after we were married, uh, we were, um, in, in terms of penetrative sex, we were each other's first partner. And so that there was sort of a early on a process of us just figuring out what's, you know, how to do that. Um, and so that was a little bit awkward as you can imagine, but, um, also, so early on for the first couple of years, it, it felt easy. It felt, you know, like it was easy to track each other in terms of where we were and what we wanted. Uh, so there wasn't as much explicit communication around that. I feel like over time, especially once kids showed up, it, um, became a little bit more pressured, but I didn't, I didn't know that I really knew myself well enough to track my own, like whether or not I was feeling pressured or not, um, or whether I was applying, you know, felt like I was applying pressure to her. Um, but it felt like the communication, the communication skills I think we would need later on around sex specifically. Um, I don't know that we were even aware that we should be building those because it just felt a little bit easier early on. Um, there were times when, um, I, and this is, this is, I guess, difficult for me to tease apart in my mind because I have to think back to uh, like not knowing what I know now, but what I, what I was thinking about then. Um, it's, I, didn't really have an understanding of or as broad of an understanding about consent both within myself and with other people then so like and especially coming from a, a uh, culture and a community that was very abstinence only sex education um i don't feel like i really had the, the tools to really have an awareness around like what does consent mean? What does enthusiastic consent mean? Like what, like what are, like how much agency do I have in those types of conversations? So I don't feel like that was, I was super well prepared, I guess, for that, for that, um, type of relationship. Um, so just kind of figure it out a little bit as we went. Um, I think once I got into therapy and started, um, quote unquote, waking up a little bit for myself in terms of like who I can choose to be, you know, what I can choose for myself or not choose for myself. I think um, it was easier to have explicit conversations about like, do, you know, do you want to do this? Should we try this? What about this? And navigate those conversations and be more open in communication, um, you know, before, during and after about sex specifically um but it did take a lot of sort of work on myself to get to the point where i could be vulnerable in that way yeah and i think you touched on uh, a few things that is are are fairly common and most people don't don't really realize how how fairly common they are and that is that sex education if there was any was either abs abstinence based or there was just was no education at all. So, uh, in those realms, it sounds like you had to kind of discover that for yourself and, and in your marriage, you both had to discover that over the years and how to communicate about that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in, in your time together in your marriage, since that was the, we'll focus a lot on that 
relationship since that was the, the main one sexually for you. Uh, was there ever a time, or let me rephrase that. If there was a time where you or uh, your ex-wife didn't want sex but the other person did, how would that type of conversation go, whether it was you or her initiating and the other one saying, uh, you know, no, what what would that interaction look like? Yeah, um, there, I think it, it depends on, but I think we were, we always sort of characterized ourselves as a little bit of a, like a gender reversal, because I feel like she was more consistent in wanting sex than I was. Um, and I think that was more true earlier in the relationship. And the story I have around that now uh, is, I think I just hadn't really, um, uh, sex just was such a scary thing. And it was just like this kind of like specter growing up around, um, you know, the feelings that I'm having or this, you know, the um, attraction that I'm having is like, that's somehow bad or, you know, not something that I shouldn't um, necessarily talk about or embrace. And so I feel like the disconnection, like the early on disconnection with those pieces of myself um, through religion and culture made it kind of, it made it difficult to not, to made it difficult to be fully present. And so I feel like I wasn't really avail- as available um, for sex as often as she was. And so I felt like there's a lot of times when um, when I would just go along, uh, I would just be like, okay. And, we, and, you know, as at various points in our relationship, we would kind of get into a routine sexually where we do similar things, um, you know, diff- similar positions. Um, and so there was a, a kind of a, a, a comforting sort of security to that, but also, you know, like lack of novelty over time is an issue as well. Um, so if, those conversations, I've, I guess I didn't realize for a long time that it was even really a conversation. I just kind of felt like, um, you know, if if I could, if we, if I could just sort of allow myself to, um, you know, agree to things, then I would, you know, eventually I would, I would uh, sort of mentally or emotionally be, you know, be easier to connect through that process. So even when I felt a little bit of resistance up front, I, I think that um, it never really stood out to me as an issue. Like, I don't know that I really knew to sort of listen to myself or that I could, like, set boundaries around that. Um, so I think that's something that's changed for me over time is realizing that trying to practice listening to myself a little bit more closely around that um i think there and there's that's you know that's one side obviously the other side there there were times where i was i wanted uh to do specific things and she wasn't into it as well so um and i feel like especially later in our relationship those conversations got easier to like either offer like, well, I don't want to do this, but how about something else, you know, to offer alternatives, um, to speak a little bit more clearly about what we're each available for. So I feel like that was, um, something that we both kind of learned through couples therapy that made those conversations a little bit easier. 
Yeah, and I like that you're ending that section with the mention of uh, marriage therapy or couple couples therapy. So mm-hmm. in couples therapy, there was a section or, or there was a time where there was the focus toward communication in general or communication uh, in the sexual realm? Um, yeah, I, mean, I feel like work in couples therapy was more around um, com- just communication or how to like help each other um, resolve conflicts. Because uh, the impetus for us going to couples therapy was, at least at the face of it, um, me being attracted to other people or like being um being fairly clear that like i would be open to other relationships and that's something that i was interested in and she was not and so the having those conversations was um really difficult and i i don't fault her for that at all and like i i understand why that was really that's a really painful um piece of her story that's difficult for her to talk about and so i feel like that p- particular issue about um us having different ideas about what commitment looks like or us being interested in different kinds of relationships or and her thinking that she had um a particular kind of committed monogamous relationship and me sort of realizing that's not necessarily what I was interested in anymore. So like that was sort of the landscape that we went into couples therapy talking about. And so it was a lot around um, how can we sort of regulate each other through those sorts of really intense emotional conflicts. Um, So I don't know that that much of it was necessarily about um, conversations about sex specifically, but there was a lot of work done in terms of um, hearing each other and communicating and giving it a little bit more space um, to hold different perspectives about things, which I feel like is, in the at least in the abstract, sort of the same same sort of thing. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd say so too. And definitely communication in general is good for communication in the bedroom. So they, they definitely go hand in hand in, in a lot of ways. And uh, you you have been mentioning uh, more open relationships. I know uh, we will be speaking to another person in, in the next few weeks that uh, has some experience in the poly community. Uh, so poly, polyamorous relationships and, and what that looks like. And that's a very good point that those are discussions too and that brings up um you know sexual consent is one topic but it really feeds into so many other topics as well and so i think you you did a good job highlighting a lot of the periphery topics that uh are so essential for for couples to be on the same page um if you were to well two questions uh, if you were to go back and give yourself advice before you started dating, uh, or, you know, say 18 or 19 years old, what would that advice be toward relationships, toward sex, sexual consent? And two, what have you learned now that you're hoping to take into your future, uh, relationships? Wow. Uh, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's difficult for me to know what my 
18 or 19 year old self would be able to hear honestly i think maybe the most important message i could try to offer him is that he's not broken he's okay and that he gets to decide what he's available for or not and that other people's feelings or opinions about that uh, are not more important than being true to himself and being grounded in himself and, and really checking in to do work on himself um, because if he doesn't have that then it's not like he can't meet another person in relationship it doesn't matter how much he wants it he's not going to be available for it Yeah, that's excellent um, advice. And what was the second question? <laughs> and what experiences, you know, you at this point mm. getting, moving from a marriage to being single and, and probably eventually, you know, whatever form of, of dating or relationships you'll have in the future, what yeah. do you hope to take away from what you've learned in the past 18 years? Yeah, I mean, I think my work going forward is to really practice grounding into myself and to make sure that I, I'm able to 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 know what I'm feeling, especially in response to other people. If that's if that feels threatening, or if that feels um, really good, or if that feels safe, or if it feels you know if there's attraction there, if there's not, um, I think. I, just historically, it's been difficult for me to not get sort of swept up in relationships. So I think just being more clear with myself first and then be, being able to articulate that as clearly as possible, what I'm available for going forward and what I'm interested in. Um, I think that is sort of like the center of a lot of the work that I'm seeing in myself um, relationally. So like, if I can, if I can do that, I feel like it informs a lot of things, especially the consent um, side of things. Because you know, I, I feel like increasingly, I just want relationships where we can be really open about what are you available for, what are you interested in, what are you looking for, like what is like the most um, exciting part of relationships for you, and what and and then what is it, what is that for me, and then. I don't know, that, that just feels like, I, I, especially coming out of um, a, a narrative of what marriage and commitment and partnership looks like that I don't think, I think is deeply flawed having to rewrite that. I feel like it's, um, it has to be more based in can I hold myself? Can I be safe in myself? And, and can I, when I offer something to someone else, can I, like, is that something that I'm actually available for or not? And being able to, to, you know, track other people and where they're at with that as well. Yeah. I think that really is a good explanation and focusing on in yourself first, knowing that you have a voice before you you have to know that you even have a voice before you can potentially use it yeah um, definitely. i mean it kind of goes back to what i tell 
my kids sometimes when I'm more clear minded. It's like you you can't say yes unless you had a no. Mm. So unless I can say no, then I can't say yes. It's and so I feel like that's sort of a pretty essential part to consent, both sexually but with other things as well. Yeah. Um, I may have to uh, to to use that somewhere on on the website. You, you can't say yes until you're able to really say no and understand what that is. Yeah, and and feel like you have that voice. Yeah. Well, I I know uh, as we wrap up conversations, we like to ask everyone, what is your definition of sexual consent? Yeah, I, mean, I think it, it goes back to what we were just talking about. Um, I think it's, am, am I, am I available for it? And am I saying yes, both in my body and in my mind and in my, like emotionally? I feel like it, like all of those things have to line up in order for there to be a yes. Otherwise, um, it's, it, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it's something that can really be offered. And I feel like that has to happen across the board with, you know, all partners. Um, and I guess one, one side note I would put to that is I, I feel like, especially with me dealing with, um, like working through a lot of embodiment issues, it, I have noticed that in some, um, in some relationships when things get a little bit, I cross sort of a threshold with the intimacy um, I'll notice my body is starting to kind of freak out a little bit. There's a little bit of an anxiety reaction. So like mentally I'm there. I'm yes, this is, this is good. And like, I like this. I like being with this person in this way. I like, you know, so mentally it's a yes. Um, but it can be difficult to like sort of stay in that moment in my body and just sort of sit with it and be honest about like, Oh, like I'm having this reaction. It's not a, it's not a no, but I am having this reaction, so I need to like respect that and sort of be able to communicate that as well. So I don't know, it's an interesting thing that I've, I've noticed as well um, with consent in, in particular. Um, I feel like that, especially um, with people who've experienced trauma or some other, you know, like um, PTSD or you know any any other thing that where you can sort of trigger an anxiety response to things. It it gets a little bit more complex. Um, so to, I still sort of stand by my definition because I think I feel like it encompasses that. But it's, I think there's something to be said for like you have to sort of bring your whole person along with that as well. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. It does. It does. So sexual consent is a, is a yes, but it's not just with your voice. It's it's with your your mind, body, soul. You know, everything in line, and matching up and being able to see that in the other person as well. Yeah, I, I think um, I think one of, some of the most rewarding interactions I've had um, in all my relationships have been around just being able to be vulnerable and honest about that. Like, I think there's a lot of shame, especially for men, um, at least for me and, like, my male identity. I think there's it can trigger a lot of shame to be vulnerable physically because I don't think that's something that we experience very often. Um, so, I know that for me has been kind of an interesting experience at times to um, to have to realize that, like, oh, I'm I'm doing a, a new or a difficult thing emotionally 
So it makes sense that my body's trying to catch up to that and figure out what's going on. So it's, I know, I think that sort of just goes back to what we were talking about, about um, checking in with ourselves first. Because I think for me in those moments, it was really important for me to give myself the space and not shut down. Um, you know, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think you said a lot of valuable things in, in, uh, in only about 30 minutes. So this is <laughs> one that I think people will, will re-listen to because there's a lot of valuable um, nuggets of information interspersed there. So I, I appreciate your time. And uh, usually we say that if anyone has questions specifically for you, they can email us at Ask Every Time and we will filter those questions over to you so you can answer them and interact with anyone that, that has uh, questions or comments directly for you. But that way you still keep your anonymity, if that's okay with you. No, that sounds great. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate your time and I hope you have a good rest of, of the year here. Okay. Thanks. And that marks the end of today's interview. If you have any questions, comments, or things you'd like to add, please email us at askeverytimellc at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about Ask Every Time, our mission, or resources, visit askeverytime.com. We're also on Facebook at Ask Every Time. Thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.